Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Giant Pod with me, your host, Andy Rintmore. This week, my guest is Jake Blackmore, a.k.a. MC Binbags from the super-duper band Binbag Wisdom. We talk about our history together studying music almost a decade ago. We talk about what life's been like since then, as we haven't seen each other for probably for the best part of that decade. Uh, we talk about DIY uh, bands and trying to make it in the music industry without label backing. We talk about touring. We talk about life on the road. We talk about what life was like once COVID came and travel restrictions and lockdowns were in place and how that's changed and how that forces us as musicians to look at ourselves and, and take stock of of you know who we are and what we want for the future. We go through the new album, Crud Life, track by track. We get a deep dive, I'd say, on each track of the album and the lyrical inspiration and the themes. Talking of themes, there's a theme throughout this podcast of like male vulnerability and being open and honest with yourself and taking stock of, of the way that you interact with other human beings and, 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 and past previous relationships and new lovers, validation, social media comes into it, uh, insecurities. I think it was a really, really healthy chat and I'm really, really glad that we got this one in the can because I think a lot of people listening will take uh, comfort in it if they're already doing this sort of self-work um, and maybe someone will be hearing some things out there that sort of, you know, has a penny drop or a slight epiphany for them um, and starts them on a path of something similar. I really hope that happens for some of you. So I'm going to stop rambling. Here we are. This is Jake Blackmore, a.k.a. MC Binbags, from Binbad Wisdom on the Giant Pod. I hope you enjoy it. So, Jake Blackmore, I haven't seen your I haven't seen your name written down for a very long time because we're all we're all pseudonyms and code names now online, aren't we? If you don't have someone in your yeah. phone book, they are you know Mighty Meaty sixty nine or something. For <laughs> do you know him as well? <laughs> um, was it always Blackmore? Did you change? No, I my uh, my father's name is Williams, so I was born Jake Williams. That's right. And then when I was about 13, 14, uh, my parents had split up and I just loved my mum so goddamn much. I thought, I want to be more like you, mum. So I just adopted the name, her maiden name. Right. Um, but I've, I've never officially changed it because um, I, I had just had a passport done at that point. <laughs> and I thought, I'm not going to get another passport because that's like 70 quid or whatever. Yeah. So I'll just tell people I'm called Jake Blackmore. And at what age were you when you did that? Probably about 18 or so. When I when I started telling people, like, officially, this is my name now, yeah, I was probably about 17, 18. So that was your form of ID. So you weren't going to throw that away at that, at that point. Exactly. I needed that. Yeah. So did you... Do you I needed it. Do you still speak to your dad? Because that sounds like, you know, if I was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're good? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a bit of a slap in the face. I don't think he's too happy with it, right. but... I think mean, no, he's a good. He's a good man. We get we get on very well. Okay, cool. Nowadays, nowadays, yeah, he's good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obviously, obviously, I was a teenager once. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> so tell me about um, when we met Bath College eight years ago. How long were we there together? Yeah, something like that. I mean, I think you were there a year before I was. Yeah, probably because you did the 
either the foundation or something. And then we were together for two or three years. Did you do the HNC as mm. well, the evening course? Yeah. Yeah, so three years we would have been there together. But never never played any music together as far as I recall, maybe once or twice. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't recall because there was quite a bit of collaboration going on at that time. Yeah, but I can't. But you and I were obviously staunch rivals. <laughs> we were on uh, we were on different paths, you know. I was in, in. We were we were very much on different paths, actually. Yeah, I was like with Johan yeah. and Alex and Johnny doing the whole strychnine poisoning thing. Yeah, you guys were getting raw, <laughs> and I was just like trying to play reggae music or something. But I tell you what, you did it well. And I remember I was listening. Thanks. I was I was playing some video games the other night, and I what I like to do to sort of decompress. Put a bit of Call of Duty on, mindless killing, mm. stream my Spotify yes. through my headphones and just get a soundtrack on with it. And I had the Fugees on, the score. Yes! Oh, right. that was such a good album for me back then. Yeah. And I tell you what, and I, it reminded me that um, of your cover of uh, Ready or Not. Ready or Not. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> you going like, with your like sort of Rasta sort of slant on your on your accent yeah i'm refugee from guantanamo bay and i was just like these fucking lyrics are great like that was the first time i really appreciated that song was when i heard you do they it they are good man yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah friggin hell man that album every single track is a straight banger yeah straight fucking banger apart from maybe killing me softly you don't like that one which is nah i think that was just the one i had heard as a child and then when i then when i pulled up the album i was like Oh, this one's like pop music. Yeah, uh, you know, even though it is a good cover, it yeah. is a decent cover. But I always skip it. You ever have, you have that right where you have like an album you love, but you're just so used to skipping certain points of it. Yeah. Then like a year or two later, you'll accidentally let it play, and you're like, actually, like fair enough. Yeah, yeah. There's a new layer I'm discovering in this one now. Yeah, yeah. I, there was also a bonus track on one of those, um, one of the versions of that album called Mister Mister. Have you ever heard that? Uh, it's just Wyclef and an, an acoustic guitar. I may have. I've got the. I think the it's, the one I've got is the original CD issue. So I don't know if it's, it's yeah. on there or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if it's on that. I think I had that CD as well. I was traveling around New Zealand for a couple of years with Jack from Bimbag Wisdom. And we bought two CDs from a charity shop like as soon as we got to New Zealand. And one of them was The Score. <laughs> and one of them was 40 Ounce to Freedom by Sublime, <laughs> which were already uh, like our two favourite albums. We were like, yeah, let's just get those. We won't get tired of these. And we were driving around the North Island for like a month, month and a half, yeah. just one after the other. Like, <laughs> should we put The Score back on? Yeah, I guess so. Should we listen to 40 Ounce again? <laughs> <laughs> How cool was Lauren Hill? Like, the, her presence on the mic is just there's something not only is she lyrically really sophisticated um her her delivery is really good i'm gonna say rhyme schemes but i'm this is you're the wrong guy to say rhyme schemes too because you know about these things and i don't but i know nothing andy (laughs) (laughs) i just piss about with me mates Um, i don't know what i'm doing but um yeah no she's amazing man she's amazing and when they did um what was that album before called blunted on reality i think was the first album yeah i've only heard the score Right. I mean, the score, I, I don't know, but I'm under the impression that when she did Blunted on Reality, she was about 18 or something. I might be totally wrong, but I think when she did the score, she would have been real early 20s. And some of those verses are like still unmatched as far as I'm concerned, like just melodically and stylistically and lyrically like on point. Yeah, she's she's yeah, she absolutely good. powerful. She's such a powerful... Yeah. Yeah. Um, artist in, in, mm. in all in all ways, um, yeah. I still need to get the miseducation of Lauren Hill actually. Yeah, that's decent. 
because Rolling Stone just say that that's the greatest yeah. thing ever. Like every there's few a lot years. of um, there's a lot of Wyclef on that album. Just he in the skits between each song, he plays this teacher, it's right, like teaching a classroom about love and how yeah. to love again. And it's nice. And I was nice. I was thinking about this as well with Wyclef the other day. Is that he's very much a singular. Uh, MC in his style and delivery. Like I don't think sure. I know anyone that sounds like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you might be right. And I think I think that was kind of the thing about Fuji's that was so good is that Praswell was like amazing production on that album specifically, but also decent lyricist. Like that real low bassy voice just powering through. Lyrically fine, but really just like stylistically he's fucking cool lauren was in another world and wyclef as well just like had his own it was just like the perfect the perfect match you know yeah like it really it really is such a powerful album is um is matey from jurassic five on that album two is it tuna fish what, what charlie tuna charlie tuna i don't know if he is i don't know if he is actually there's a track called cowboys that's got right. quite a lot of extra mcs on it pace one some others who I can't right. remember. Because there's a, there's a few moments where I'm like, is this, was he ever in the Fugees? Perhaps that's the, the fella you were talking it might about. Be, the it low... might be Praz, yeah. yeah. Praz P, yeah. So we went through college and uh, we finished college and we had to sort of go, uh, go about it on our own, sort of try and make something of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, in this crazy old industry we chose... Yeah, and I'm pleased to say that, you know, quite a few of us actually have done some some pretty cool things. It was a good, it was a good, like, alumni in our in our course, I feel. Yeah, some yeah. good stuff's come out of that. Obviously, like, Bite the Buffalo and Gabby Applin, like, those guys yeah. have done phenomenal stuff, you know. I, last time I saw Gabby was um, Glastonbury a couple of years ago. I was working yeah. as, a, as a crew chief on a, a production crew. And we had these two volunteers who unplugged their tent and put all their stuff in the tent and sort of ran off. And we we were doing our work and we saw them running off with the tent with all their shit in it, pegs still jangling around on the ends. Mm. Basically, their idea was that she'd been feigning this, like, kidney infection all weekend. Oh, I can't do my shift because I'm... Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, Lazy. Yeah, lazy. (laughs) Can't do it because I'm lazy. (laughs) But then would like never like they would that little group would never like hang out with me in the evening because they knew they were getting on it and I was yeah. like boss man and right, I knew okay. what was going on and I'm like okay I've got my crew and and okay what you guys do you guys do if you don't want me to see that that's fine just show up fucking work in the morning like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah yeah as long as you show up I don't care what you do what you've snort what you whatever like don't give a shit. <laughs> But they were like, so I always knew when she was getting on it when she was lying because it was like, hey, Andy, come meet us. And then it would, the trail would go cold. And I'd be like, oh, it's because she's not ill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we saw them running off. Me and, and my boss ran after them. We got just up to the, uh, just behind the other stage in the, um, uh, have you been around the back of backstage at Glastonbury? And- I'm not sure if I've been, if I've been behind that bit. So there's this whole other section of of Glastonbury called Interstage, and that's it's it's whole other thing behind the pyramid, the other stage, okay. and um, some other bits and bobs. It's quite a big network, anyway. So there's a, there's like a big long alleyway um, coming out from the side of other stage into general population, and their goal was to 
when no one was looking, run with all their shit in the tent, dragging the tent behind them, get into general population, get in amongst the sea of tents, pitch mm. up. They've oh, got all their right. backstage passes and shit. Yes, mate. That's a good idea. It is a good idea. And, and you know, fair play. <laughs> fair play to them. <laughs> they found a loophole. Well, they cheated the system. Yeah, so sometimes, the, but the thing is, it was this girl who was like, she was a lesbian, and this guy was with her, and he was totally in love with her, and he'd bought her a car and everything, and it was oh my just, goodness, yeah, it was unrequited love, but you could tell that she was sort of like she knew the score, but she was benefiting yeah. from it massively. She wanted a car. She wanted a car. She wanted a car. Yeah. yeah, and he took her to Glastonbury and everything. It was. I felt so sorry for him, but at the mm. same time, it was like, dude, this is weak, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love's a hell of a drug, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so we caught, caught up with them, and she was, like, feigning this panic attack and everything, and we were, like, calling security and all that shit. And people were starting to look. We were at the side of other stage, but just backstage enough so that it was, like, even more embarrassing because you've yeah, got, yeah, like... Yeah all the crews, the stage man, you know what I mean? And fucking Gabby Aplin comes past. I'm like, oh, hey, Gabby, what's up? And there's this girl stood next to me, like, crying her eyes out. This, like, weird dude there that's, like, <laughs> doesn't know what to do with himself. There's, like, security rocking up with Land Rovers to get him out yeah. and everything. And she was... What, and Gabby, Gabby's about to play, is she? She's just she's played like... other stage to about... Just played the other stage. people... <laughs> There's Andy Rintmore making some poor young girl cry backstage. <laughs> hey, Gabby, what's up? Oh, hey, Andy, how you doing? Yeah, you're good, nice to see you. You know, she, the whole time she's sort of like looking at me and then looking at these guys. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry about this. Yeah. I'll let you get on. Nice to yeah. see you. I'll see you like next year. <laughs> she's like, yeah, all right, yeah, see you later. And I was like, fuck it out. <laughs> And then the guy goes, he goes, um, they want, they would, they were getting them out and they were getting them in the Land Rover and everything. They were like properly getting kicked out. Like they were getting put on the side of the road somewhere or back in the car park. And the guy looks at me and he goes, um, would you be so kind as to carry my unicycle? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I've been carrying your shit all weekend. You can carry it. And he was like, oh. So what were you working on back there? What are you what are you doing at Glastonbury? So I was crew chief in a uh for the youth production network. Oh cool. Who uh take on like volunteers and put them in production roles or put them yeah, in mate. the catering and everything like that. Yeah. Sweet gig, got got paid well. Yeah, nice. Got fed three times. That's a the day. one at Glastonbury. Like I do I do like Glastonbury, but only if I'm being paid. Yeah. I think the the appeal has somewhat jaded me <laughs> like all the times just carrying all my equipment across site through fucking swamps it's like i actually don't want to be here anymore <laughs> yeah yeah i've done all kinds of stuff i did some stewarding at glastonbury and you end up yeah. in 7 a.m you're coming on shift at uh yeah. the dance village and it's like oh or, or like no go. like two two three a.m when yeah. when they've got the noise restrictions and it's like oh hey yeah. but you're on silent disco and it's like oh great yeah. Great. So I just got to listen to people stamp around in the mud going, Padua Channel 4, Channel 4, this one's great. This one's, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's just this weird, it's the strangest soundscape yeah, being the, the only one not partying at the silent disco. 
Yeah, it's, it's, yeah I don't want to do it again. <laughs> I never want to do that again, man. You don't have to, right, bro. let's get to it. Uh, bin Bags is your name, right? Hello, that's me. McBinbags Value Meal. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, I was thinking of dropping the muck, to be honest. I did it when I was like 18 or so. I was just trying to think of a funny name. Because I like, I love hip-hop music, but like we were saying, like I used to play reggae and before that, I, play, you know, I grew up playing punk and indie and stuff like that. But when I wanted to do a bit of MC and I thought, so many MCs out there that have like, you know, a cool name... I can't think of a single example right now, but my whole point was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be like MC cool guy, you know, or MC amazing dude. Yeah. So I thought, what's like, what's shit and mundane? So I settled on MC bin bags. Yeah. I just realized I said muck bin bags. Yeah. No, that's what, I mean, that's what, that's what I say as well is muck bin bags, but I don't know if you know this, but MC is actually my job role. It's because when I saw it written down, Jake, it had a lowercase C. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but it, did it have a did it have an uppercase B <laughs> yeah, like McDonald? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That, that's my that's my fault. Then that's a formatting error on my part. Uh, so yeah. Um, so you've you've come to the 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 name MC Bin Bags. Any regrets that's of me. that? Are you too far in now? I'm too far in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't regret it. I don't regret it as such, but it, yeah, it's it's strange, isn't it? Like you just you select something, you choose a name, you choose a style and then it's quite hard to break away from that when you want to. But you you've got to and if I wanted to release anything solo and not put it out as bin bags, like I've got no I've got no quarrels with just putting out a single release on a on a different name altogether. I had quite a lot of pseudonyms. I think when I was young, I remember when I was at college, I used to call myself Dr. Elefante. That, that's right. I forgot that. <laughs> that was my solo project was Dr. Elefante. And I don't know why. I just thought it, it amused me. That's you know? a great name. There's no branding behind any of this. That's the problem is that I get like a bit of an ADD situation where I'm like, fucking yeah, but what about this great idea? I'm going to go with that now. And then none of the ideas really <laughs> have time to grow too big. <laughs> but that's all right. That's all good. So you've called it Bin yeah. Bag Wisdom. This is the the band that you've just released a new album with called Crud Live. That's right. Yeah. Well, we started the band. Um, Jack Wisdom and I travelled to New Zealand together. This this must be about eight years ago, seven years ago. Um, and we just took an acoustic guitar and a cajon, and we were in a band together. Previous to that, it, we were going to buy a van, but what we bought was like like a like a family mini, whatever they called. A, a people carrier yeah and um so it wasn't really enough room for us to live in let alone sleep in even but all the seats went flat so we were like yeah 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 that'll do uh but there was one time our friend jamie naya was there with us and uh we we stopped by this beach and we were kind of like don't know where we're gonna go don't have anywhere to stay we'll just have to sleep in the car and uh no room for you jamie so you're gonna have to sleep on the beach and he was kind of like i don't want to sleep on the beach by myself i'll just curl up by the wheel of the car <laughs> so he was just, we just parked up by this beach and he slept like in the gutter just behind the car <laughs> and he said like it was fine until the morning when people were like jogging people were like coming past him and he was just asleep like underneath our car <laughs> But anyway, so we went there, and uh, as it was MC Bimbags and Jack Wisdom, Bimbag Wisdom was born. I love it. I love it. That remind that story reminds yeah. me of a band called the Anti Nowhere League. I don't know if you remember them. I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old school punk band. Yeah. Um, 
Actually, we refused to play with them a couple years back because they've really? got some pretty homophobic lyrics. Oh, really? So we dropped out as their main support, and um, and then every other band dropped out after us. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, because word like word got out, and because we'd done it, the others were like, "Well, we bolstered. can't be seen to be doing it." Yeah, sure, sure. And and we sort of created a, a, a minor storm that um, yes, well, not a nice. storm, but it was a breeze. There was a domino effect that we didn't. We thought we were just going to go. Mm. You know what? You know, I think we're not going to do this yeah. one. Um, yeah, because we don't like your lyrics and your shit. Yeah, and we don't like your opinions. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> and then it. Then everyone's messaging me like, "Why aren't you doing this? Should we be? Uh, should we be dropping out as well?" Like, in a, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, here's the here's the lyric genius uh, link to uh, whatever the fuck the song was, but. Um, but anyway, when they were touring back in the day, it was snowing, <laughs> and yeah. uh, they found like they found a ditch. They parked their tour bus over the ditch where there wasn't any snow, and they climbed under the van, under the axle, and they all slept in a row under that. That's quite a good idea. Yeah. So if you're ever out in, you know, it's quite romantic. You're out in Norway or something. I don't know. I feel that like you'd be bleak. better off in the van, though. To be honest, if you can. Yeah, I think so pump it full of farts and you guys will be warm in no time so tell me about tour farts dude you know tour I mean? uh tour diets and tour farts yeah it's a horrendous situation isn't it yes basically it's a, it's my absolute unhealth i'm so healthier i'm so much healthier now that there's been a pandemic right because i don't live in the back of chris's car anymore <laughs> you know and i don't i don't survive on mcdonald's like <laughs> yeah just whatever's in the bin at the nearest service station basically that's what that's what we used to live on for ages like whenever we'd come back from <laughs> there's like a few service stations with really good bins like really easy to get to bins our favorite ones memory you know, memory on the m4 so whenever we had london gigs or kent gigs or anything like that we'd drive home and it would be you know midnight 1am go past memory swing in grab a couple of sacks full of like one day old sandwiches and cakes and sometimes like fresh fruit and veg as well. Oh, that's what we lived off. From the bins outside the back. Yeah, yeah, Um, not like... I thought you meant that... Not like the actual McDonald's bin. (laughs) Well, uh, Like the customer bin, the customer's leftovers. (laughs) There's five nuggets in this one, boys. We've we've almost made a complete box. Take one each. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the stuff that supermarkets throw away. It's ludicrous, man. It's ludicrous and it's delicious. Yeah. I mean, just sell-by dates in general are the biggest fucking scam. Biggest scam. Just teaching people not to learn and not to trust themselves and not to understand what is good and what is bad, you know? You just go like, oh, that's out of date now, so no good. I mean, we have eyes... Probably, It's probably not, mate. It's probably we have fine. eyesight, smell and taste for yeah. these reasons. You put something in your mouth and, yeah, it's, exactly. and it tastes off, you know it. Just spit it out. Yeah. <laughs> try to spit it up. out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You don't have to swallow. You don't have to commit to eating the whole thing. Yeah. There's no obligation to yeah. swallow with any food. <laughs> That's what I always say. <laughs> <laughs> you do what you want. Yeah, man. So uh, tell me about tell me about crud life. Because I quite like because I told you that I, I thought about you when I was listening to the Fugees, and then weirdly, like you know, mm. serendipity, serendipitously, your promo mm. for Crud Life came into my Instagram feed. Right, 
great. And it was the, that the targeting advertising is working. Yes, and it was that yeah. like memory of you. I, went, oh, I see what Jake's up to actually. Like I see mm. what, what you know where he's at now. I'm glad you did, man. I'm really glad you did. And I, I loved um, it. And I've listened to that out. And I'm not saying this because this is the the podcast bullshit that people go. I, I read your book. I loved it. <laughs> you know. Or like, I can't stop listening to your album, man. It's out Monday, by the way. Get it? You know, whatever. <laughs> but I genuinely, I've, I mean, I, I interviewed an author yesterday, not read a sing. I've read the back of his book, one of his books, <laughs> right? And it went fine. Yeah. It went absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, Perfect. So <laughs> I have listened to your album a lot and I have right. enjoyed it. Genuinely Great, man. I'm really glad. I'm really glad to hear that. Thank you so much. Ex- I enjoy it as well. Explain your sound, because you've got a sort of a gypsy jazz thing going on. There's a bit of a Romany... Okay. Uh, okay. Or, or I'm getting a Romanian flavour somewhere. Interesting. In the, is- Interesting. It's, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard, because we, we don't go for a straight... I don't know. I don't know. I think everyone likes to think that they sound unique, but I actually really do struggle to... I guess the key thing that I quite often say is that I'm a big fan of hip hop. I'm a big fan of jazz music and I'm a big fan of punk music. And it's like, those are the things that influence me the most. So I guess it's that. Yeah. (laughs) I guess it's that in, you know, but some, you know, some of it's more of one than the other. Some of it's something totally different, but it's all sort of within one of those ballparks, I would say. Yeah. And what's interesting is that I I feel like other than your voice and your lyrics being the the sort of the centre point, the lead of of most tracks, what is that instrument? The uh, the other one? Is it a... uh, Clarinet. Is it a clarinet? I'm very... I'm bad with my... If it's not a saxophone or a trumpet (laughs) or pan pipes... (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm like what you're is- not the only one man you're not the only one yeah it's it's clarinet that's that's risha flint the, is our clarinet player and she's phenomenal man and it's like it's something that so when we started the band like i said it was me and jack it was guitar and cajon and then i lived in new zealand for a couple of years he lived there for about six months i came back and we recorded our first album which is called pussy willis yeah which was just it was just bedroom hip-hop stuff like with both of us are rapping on it he made all the beats um and we just we just banged it out um you know there wasn't much thought behind it printed about 100 cds and that was enough to start getting us some gigs and then at that point our really good friend of ours chris who we used to play with uh was like can i come play some bass for you guys again we're like absolutely so we started as a three-piece you know as soon as we started gigging that was the format it was acoustic guitar drum kit bass but hip-hop stuff out of that and i had always thought you know i want to recreate the 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 feel that you get from like old uh jazz and soul samples i want to be able to recreate that live so i want to have some kind of cool lead instrument and the thing that i thought was clarinet or flute would be cool they were they were the two that were kind of going around in my head there's a bit of string a bit of string ideas as well but mainly it was clarinet my sister played when i was a kid so i've I've always really enjoyed it my uncle played um before her and um Anyway, so then Risha was a friend of ours from... She used to play in a band called Lounge Cat Ideals, which is like gypsy jazz swing stuff. Right. Um, so I guess that's where that influence comes from. That's where that, that sort of sound to it comes from, that sort of klezmer sound. Because, yeah, so she she came to a few of our gigs, and I remember like we'd, we'd been to a few of hers, and I remember seeing her in sort of front row at our gig, singing along to loads of words. We used to do a cover of How Many Mics as well from the same oh, Fuji's album. Yeah, yeah. When we started Bimbag Wisdom, we used to do How Many Mics. And I remember her in the front front row just like 
yeah, just like absolutely going for it, just loving it. And I was like, yeah, you're cool, mate. And I saw her in, uh, I used to live in this warehouse at the top of Gloucester Road in, in Bristol. And I saw her in the car park there one day because there was a recording studio next door. And we just said like, oh, hello. Well, I know you. I, yeah, I know you. You do music, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to play together? You play clarinet? Like, yeah, okay. So she came over Jack's house and jammed in the living room. And that was it, man. That was like three years ago, I guess, that we've been playing with her. And it is the sound, you know? It's like, like you say, it's so, I don't know. It's, it's such an interesting sound to hear. It's such an interesting timbre to hear mm. in that kind of music, especially. Especially when we're getting like real heavy in some of the tracks. Oh, yeah. And there's just this like screaming clarinet going over the top of it. It's like, I love it, man. It gets me. Yeah, you do those moments really well where you, you build up to a sort of an emotional crescendo, let's say. Yeah. And the drums yeah. come in. Like and there's like some moments in there where I'm like, this is like almost metal. There's almost a Black Sabbath sort of in in the note, yeah, yeah. notes that you're hard, man. Yeah, hard. It's like it's not something I it's not something I get down on too regularly. But I suppose you know stuff like like Slipknot I've listened to a great deal, and like some of the heavier like more screamy punk stuff like. Choking Victim is like one of my favourite bands of all time and like Leftover Crack, those guys, I listen to that still all the time. I like Bomb the Music Industry as well, like stuff that's just like jagged and yeah. like mental, like that sound, that is what really speaks to me. So it's like, yeah, we, I, I want to be heavy as well. And, and actually our live show, I suppose the album before this one, 100 Years of Binbag Wisdom, it was more like swingy because it was acoustic guitar and I play electric now. But, um, but when we played live we always got quite heavy in some of the bigger parts of the tracks. And then, so then for this album, I was like, you know, I want to emphasize that and I want to make sure that we get that down. Yeah. And I just started playing electric guitar, so bought a shitload of pedals. And we worked with this amazing producer, the guy that made the album sound so sparkly, Rue Lima, who's just like incredible. All the stuff, everything he touches turns to absolute friggin' shiny polished turds man it's incredible <laughs> i did notice that the the uh, production is very good especially on the drums it's insane man it's insane and it's like he's he's one of those guys that's just, he's just gonna do amazing things and i'm so glad to know him at this point in his career like he's i love him as well it's not even just like i don't feel just lucky <laughs> <He's an asset. laughs> career-wise yeah he's not just an asset to my life he's the sweetest man and yeah he's he's wonderful and he, he made the album what it is and so many of the ideas you know we we get to a point where i'll write a song on the guitar write the lyrics, take it to the practice room, show it to the guys. We all kind of come up with the parts together. We go on tour, we play it. And then it's like, shit, we should probably record this, you know? And it's already solidified. It's already like, this is the structure. These are the parts. And to get to the studio and then go like, is there any way to change this? It's really hard without that external opinion. And Rue was so good at just being like, Thing is, it sounds good, but it needs to move from here to somewhere over here. And the way we should do that is with a little line. I'm thinking maybe on the piano or maybe a little like glockenspiel sound in there, you know? And it's yeah. like, he's got all these great ideas that we just wouldn't have thought of ourselves. So he's the, real, he's the real brains behind that album, I would say. So he's a real producer then? Yeah, he's real. He's, he, does, he does all the things you want a producer to do very well. Like, he's great in the studio at coaxing parts out of you. He's just got these ideas. He works super efficiently. And he's affordable. And I love him. <laughs> <laughs> affordable. 
There's a moment in one of the well, it, there's probably many moments, but there's a moment I picked up on in in one of the tracks. It might be, oh, which one is it? It, it it's I don't know. I'm not sure which one it is. It's maybe words or Inky Heart. Mm-hmm. But you get to the end of the line and the and the snare just simply goes. And then it moves on. Yeah. And I was like, that's a like, that's the, I just thought that was a really like, it's a little moment. Yeah. 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 But the, the musician in me was like, that was a really nice little sophisticated yeah. marker to, to sort of pin your next musical, mm. uh, your next part of the song onto, just swing it around off of that. And I, I think that's probably what you're talking about. Just those little details. That's the producer, you know, like we, we definitely have always been very much of the mind that you can make, we, we can create a beat together and then the track is there and it's ready for all intents and purposes, but then we'll carry on going like, oh, let's do a little bit of fuckery with the time here. Like just these little emphasis, an emphasis on this beat and this beat, and we'll do a little move there. That's like the way we've always liked to write stuff, but then to take that to the studio and Rue to go there's a reason for you to do that thing right here. Right. And it's because of the continual journey of this sound. And it's like, that's what you need is someone, you know, you get so emotionally attached or personally, I get so emotionally attached to the lyrics and the meaning behind the lyrics that I'm no longer really thinking about the overall piece. Like it's quite easy to get bogged down in what my original thought was and, and where I'm planning to go with the sound. But I'm not thinking of it as a as a you know a, I don't know it's it's hard to explain but basically his his perspective on that I found really really refreshing and useful. So he's like a collaborator. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. Yeah, he he's so much more than just the producer and engineer on that album. Yeah. And so tell me about from Pussy Willis to uh, what's the what's the the meaning behind that name as well? <laughs> <laughs> um I used to be a bully. <laughs> Um, no, I used to one one of my, a good a real good friend of mine, uh, Jake Howarth, Jakeman's. I just used to call him a pussy Willis. I thought it was funny, and I I hope that he has survived that mental anguish because I care about him very much. But I wasn't as good at communicating back in day, so you know how you know how boys are. I know not that it's excusable. Anyway, so you know that was just a funny phrase that we used to throw around, and. Um, I say it's a funny phrase. It was just a phrase we used to throw around to each other. Because I felt like I'd heard that before. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it just sounds like Pussy Willow, doesn't it? Yeah. But, I mean, what I mean is, <laughs> I, I think... I've oh, pro- you might have heard me say it when we were at college. <laughs> yeah, I used to I used to call people a Pussy Willis. I thought it was funny. I thought I was big and clever. And now I've seen the error of my ways. And it's all, actually all about compassion and kindness. But um, because we, <laughs> because I used to say that... The honest truth, which I'm, yeah, sure I'm ashamed of this, but I'll say it, yeah. was I came back from New Zealand and I remember when I got back, a lot of my friends were was, was saying that to each other. And I remember feeling like, that is a funny joke that I came up with. How dare you all? I don't want anyone else to be like, oh, wow, you came up with Pussy Willis, even though it's not funny or cool. <laughs> but, you got precious. I was like 21, so I was, yeah, I got precious over something that is absolute trash. And I was like, what I'll do is I'll name my album Pussy Willis. <laughs> so no one can deny that it belongs to me intellectually. <laughs> oh, wow, that's some control freak shit there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only got worse since then, but <laughs> I'll let I'll let you in to the full insides. That's my new thing. Come on in. Come on in. Warts and all, man. My life is a, a I live my life like an open wound, as um Ricky Gervais says. Mm. 
Um, so I also picked up the um, Hundred Years of Bin Bag Wisdom. I told you I found it on eBay. Yes. That's so funny that you found it on eBay. Yeah, I yeah. know. Once I'd done that, I was like, you know what? I could have just spent like two quid more and put all of it <laughs> you in your pocket. You me that money. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I've got so many copies of that, like, in this box right here, man. <laughs> I would have just sent you one for free, Andy. <laughs> I'm, quite, I'm, quite, I'm quite happy to hear that it's on eBay, though. I don't know why, but that, like, someone's got tired of it, but I'm quite interested by that. I was like, oh, yeah, two quid, two quid cheap. And then I, and I did it, and I was like, Oh, wait, no, wait, no. <laughs> Way to support artists, man. I actually know these musicians, I should probably... <laughs> I mean, mate, that's, that's absolutely fine. So it arrived. Yeah. Sealed. Really? Yeah. So whoever no had it... Had, no one had even used bloody it. bloody listened to it. And guess where wow. it came from? Germany. What the heck was I doing in Germany? It was in Germany. Interesting. And it came with a little postcard and a, like a thanks, greetings from Germany, some other shit. I couldn't read it. It wasn't German, but the hand, it was English, but the handwriting was so... I don't think we've ever played a, a Binbag Wisdom gig in Germany. We've done some Mama Jerk gigs there. I might have just given the CD out for my other band while I was touring with the other <laughs> band. That is the kind of thing I do. Yeah, you might have. Oh, you like this? Yeah, check, check this band out. To be honest with you, I didn't know about Mama Jerk until... Um, what was I doing? It was it was like Spotify or something that that um, was like, hey, check this one out as well. And I could see you in the picture of it. So that might be what, what's happened. You've gone out of Mama Jerk and sold some CDs and stuff and someone's come back, listened to you on Spotify and then Bing Bad Wisdom's been there with your face on it and they've gone, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've gone to your band camp and ordered it or something. But yeah, so yeah, Germany, big in the game, man. Germany is beautiful, isn't it? It really is. I haven't spent a lot of time there, but I've, I had a nice time there. Yeah, yeah. I've I've done quite a bit in Germany actually. I've done Berlin and um, Marburg and Essen Great. and um, and some other Saarwelling. Were you taken care of? I felt very taken oh, care of when yes. we played in Germany. Yeah, the music scene on mainland Europe. Yeah, the hospitality of the, of it. The appreciation, it just makes you feel like even if you're not coming away with money or like a lot of money, you don't come away with a lot of money in the UK, you know, like a bit of pocket money. But it's not enough to be like, wow, I can I can retire on this. Yeah. So when you're in when you're in mainland and people are like, sorry, this is all we can afford. We can pay for you to get here and then probably the same amount of money you would have earned for an English gig anyway. Yeah. But then they also put you up for the night and feed you and give you booze and just hang out and just like say, oh, wow, I'm so interested to get to know you. You know, it's like, oh, cool. I feel like this is a worthwhile experience. Yeah. And, and that is one of the things that I feel like COVID has taken away is that, uh, you know, you can forget what the experience was like of playing most of those shows because they are almost just like other other gigs. I mean, I've had a lot of unique feeling gigs in Europe, but it's the between bits. It's the interactions, meeting the promoters, meeting the fans, and you're in a different country. You're, you're sort of learning about, you know, the subtle difference between being in Vienna and then, you know, being in Berlin one day and being in Vienna the next, you know, it, it, it's just, sure, yeah. it's the education of it. And um, yeah, always fed really well. And and they always want to like, ha- like you said, like hang out, tell you about like, and teach you stuff about like their town or it, it's so strange. I just feel like so sorry for European bands that come to England because we, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> basically, we're, yeah. I mean, I've been looked after here, but largely we're pretty it's shit. It's just not the same, is it? Yeah. yeah, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's a different world. At all. Not the same at all. So, yeah, I think maybe what we should do, if you're cool with it, we'll go through track by track of Crud Life. Yeah, man. And if that, you've... Would, that would really appeal to the egotist in me, so let's do it. So that's it. We have reached the end of part one of the MC Binbags, a.k.a. Jake Blackmore from Binbag Wisdom Giant Pod episode. If you want to hear us go through their new album, Crud Life, track by track, make sure to check out part two of the podcast. Uh, thanks very much for listening. We will see you on the other side for part two. Ciao, baby.